If you put all the clever marketing campaigns aside, does it really matter if you're Mac or Windows? Episode 18 of Up and to the Right is about my journey from Windows to Mac, how and why it matters to business owners, and what you need to think about when it comes to deciding on a technology platform for your business. Spoiler alert, if you've already chosen, you made the right choice. And even if you feel you didn't, the costs to change are lower than ever. Time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Stephen Krause here with Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we focus on blending your passion with proven business principles and practical action that gives you the edge to create your unique impact. This is not a podcast about buzzwords or short-term trends. This is about proven business principles and how to apply them in your unique way. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash up and to the right. That's all one word. At Audible, you're going to find over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. In the news this week, I wanted to talk about uh, a story from each Microsoft and Apple. And in the world of Microsoft, what, we've, what we're learning is that Terry Myerson, the leader of the Windows team at Microsoft for the last five years and a 21-year veteran of Microsoft, is leaving the organization um, due to apparently a reorganization. There is some speculation that this is going to turn into a... Uh, that that the uh, result is going to be a Windows uh, subscription model, much like we've seen with the Office 365 and uh, what we see with, uh, you know, uh, other products like Google as well. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, pans out from that. Uh, on the Apple side, uh, this week, we, know, we saw the launch of a new 9.7-inch iPad with pencil support at a low price point for um, educators and actually at a fairly low price point for uh, non-educator customers or non-education customers as well. So we've got the, uh, the education price is $299 for the, for the low-end version and, the, and $329 for uh, non-educators. Um, so that's a pretty good price point for the the iPad with pencil support. And at this point, up until now, pencil support has been reserved for uh, customers who had the iPad Pro, which is substantially more expensive. So personally, I'm uh, a little curious about how well the performance is in terms of, or how uh, how responsive the pencil support is. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I absolutely love my Moleskine notebooks. But um, I would really like to move to a completely digital solution uh, just to reduce the amount of things I have to carry around. And so the idea of potentially having the ability to uh, get into uh, an iPad for uh, a, a more economical price 
that would actually facilitate the use of the pencil and maybe replicate that writing experience. Um, I'm looking forward to trying it out. And so that's the news this week. All right, so breaking the buzz. Uh, this week I wanted to talk about Internet of Things or IoT, which uh, you may hear a lot in the news. And um, I kind of just want to go over what that what that means. And it basically, when we talk about the Internet of Things, we're just talking about everyday items that we've connected to the Internet. And there's some pretty easy um, examples that you might be familiar with already. Uh, one is thermostats. So, um, you know, I have a thermostat that uh, connects to the internet. And uh, when I first got one, uh, and this was a few years ago now, uh, my wife got it for me for, I think, Christmas. And it was, I, I felt like it was almost a, a decadent appliance um, that, you know, it was kind of a, a toy more than, than a utilitarian uh, device. But what I found was, uh, at the time, uh, the house was about 40 miles out of town, and uh, it was really nice, especially in the winter, to be able to say, all right, I'm leaving work, and I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, uh, get on my phone and set the thermostat to, you know, 70 or 68 or whatever, and and hit go. And by the time I got back to the house, um, the house was comfortable instead of, you know, being at, uh, you know, 60 degrees or whatever that I might've left it during the day. Uh, things like that and being able to check it when, uh, maybe you're on vacation or, uh, something like that, uh, makes it pretty convenient. And so, uh, the next thing that you might have seen, uh, is smart lighting where you have, um, either light bulbs or a hub that controls some light bulbs that allows you to, um, you know, dim the lights or turn them on and off and, or set them on a setting. So if you're out of town for a few weeks or, um, you know, on vacation or, or gone for the weekend, even you can set them up to turn on and off to emulate the, the idea that you're actually home and, um, and you can turn them on uh, over the internet. So from far away, the last thing, um, that I thought I'd talk about is wearables, you know, and so, uh, I have an Apple watch and, uh, you know, there are other ones, uh, other fitness watches. And are, I think it's the, the most popular, uh, wearable product right now, but, um, all of these things allow us to, uh, send data over the internet to these uh, very, you know, everyday devices that makes, uh, that, that generates a convenience or uh, some kind of value that we didn't have before. And so when people talk about the inter internet of things, that's kind of what they're talking about and how you integrate that into your own business or your own product. Um, it may be uh, looking at it, at your own product line a little bit differently and trying to figure out is there a way to incorporate this kind of technology to add value to your own um, your own products? So that's uh, the buzzword of the week. That's the Internet of Things. Hitting the books this week, I want to talk about How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big by Scott Adams. Um, 
I was uh, uh, amazed at the variety of things that Scott Adams has tried over his uh, career and basically failed at, um, and still, and he's still a very successful uh, uh, a comic artist as well as uh, uh, has had some successful business ventures and some unsuccessful business ventures. And I think the story, his story of, of becoming a cartoonist is uh, really uh, a very good example of being, having the right story and the right product at the right place at the right time. And, and if you read the book, you're going to find that it's literally his comic was in the hands of just the right person at the right time for... Uh, for it to, to gain the traction that it did to become the popular, you know, almost, I, it, you know, it's an iconic product now, an iconic comic. And um, to think how close that might have come to not even happening um, really kind of sets, sets the stage for the rest of us who maybe haven't hit it big like, like Scott Adams has, but we have to also step back and and take the time to realize that maybe, um, you know, we have to pursue something longer and in more varied ways than we might have thought we had to to begin with. And um, so I think it, it was a, a great book. It was very fun to read um, very or listen to in the case of, of my own consumption of it. It was, was via Audible, as it turns out. And, um, and really an encouraging lesson in keep, keep trying, keep working at it. And the one thing that you're working on right now might not work the way that you think it, it will or should or whatever, but another thing that's coming along that, that you can leverage that information on that, 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 um, uh, the work that you do on one specific thing may actually be leveraged into something completely different. Um, you know, just as an aside, uh, an example of that in my own life is when I was uh, a senior in high school and, and a freshman and, and sophomore in college, I was uh, involved in recording music for uh, local bands, garage bands mostly, but we did demo tapes. And at that time, yeah, real tapes, by the way. Um, and so the, um, uh, you know, I was, we were using mixers and recording equipment and um, effects equipment, compressors, and at that time, you know, uh, other guitar effects as well and, and stuff like that. But, and then that went away for, for me for two decades, um, you know, and then all of a sudden it's back. All of that work that I did with those bands has come back as I started putting the podcast together. All of the um, equipment that we used then, as obviously there's more modern equipment now, but it's all, it, it all came back. All of that knowledge, that experience, and the work that I did in the music industry um, has all come back to doing this podcast and doing the videos that we do. And so... I think that that that's another part of this book that I that really came out for me was that what you do um, may have 
impacts on your future that you can't possibly know right away. And so anyway, it was it's a, a really fun book, and I strongly, strongly encourage you to, to pick it up. For the listeners of the Up and to the Right podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can try their service and get a free copy of How to Fill at Almost Everything and Still Win Big for free. And as I've said before, I only advertise products that I use and can fully endorse, and I use Audible every single day. So sign up for your free Audible trial and download How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big by Scott Adams today. All right, this week, uh, the main topic is it, I wanted to talk about my journey from Windows to Mac. And if you've, if you've listened to, to uh, previous episodes, I did an episode on tools. And, um, and I've done a, an episode on cross-platform use, meaning um, how do you work when one computer is Windows and another computer is, is Mac. Um, and I want to narrow the topic a little bit and talk a lot about how I ended up using Macs. And I use Macs uh, pretty much exclusively now. Uh, on, well, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But so my journey from Windows to Mac. Uh, I was a, a Windows defender, maybe not an advocate, maybe not a, um, uh, what do they call it, an evangelist. But I was certainly a Windows defender for many years. And, uh, you know, it, the, the defense or the argument being, you know, Windows, it, back in the 80s and 90s, Windows crashed, uh, you know, frequently uh, and was not super fast, was not very clever in terms of, of maybe uh, the same kind of user experience that you might have gotten with uh, a Macintosh. But Windows had been able to put a desk or a computer on maybe not everybody's desk, which I think is what uh, the original goal was, but they've put a computer on a lot of desks. And I think that that I've always I've always thought, and I still to this day, I think that that's a, a huge accomplishment despite what, you know, what our user experiences might have been, uh, at, you know, along the way. And so I was a defender, if not an advocate of Windows for, for uh, a long time. And uh, when uh, Windows ME came out, I had a Windows computer. I, I had a Windows ME, that's Millennium Edition for, for people who aren't familiar with it. And it was probably the worst computer I'd ever owned. Um, very unstable, um, just quite frankly, just not a good machine. And, and so having gone through that experience and, and I, I did not like it one bit. Um, when Vista came out, my uh, laptop was too old to be serviceable for work at that point. And, um, you know, and at that point I, I had been through Windows ME. I didn't want to go with a new operating system. Um, I was happy with XP, which was on my computer. I mean, relatively happy with it at least. And, um, but I didn't want to buy another XP machine because we've already, you know, Vista was already coming out and um, I, I don't like to, get a machine that I'm already walking out the door and it's obsolete. Um, so 
when when Vista was coming out, I did not want to uh, get an XP machine, but Windows was or Vista was being um, uh, let's say it was basically being attacked in the in by reviewers as you know this uh, it's just not a very good product and i did not want to go through the the windows me fiasco again especially on a work machine and so when i i started looking at my choices and i said okay well what if i what if i went to the apple store and i looked at what kind of laptops might be available and if I hate it, and all I do is use it for travel, maybe that's okay. Maybe that'd be all right. I mean, it's an expensive travel computer, that's for sure. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't be the end of the world, and I could still use, uh, you know, my Windows XP desktop was still running fine at that point. So, okay. So I went in, and I, I bought the, the uh, uh, MacBook Pro, and it was... I think it was a 15 inch. It was heavy and it was, I mean, it wasn't as heavy as, as some of my windows machine machines had been, but it was still, it was heavy and, and pretty big, um, certainly by today's standards, but as, as were all the, the laptops and notebook computers at that time. But, um, you know, so, so I went ahead and, and took the plunge and, and the risks to me at that time were cost, which, then just like now, uh, a MacBook Pro is substantially more expensive um, than a uh, than a Windows notebook. And maybe part of that problem is that you the the MacBooks um, are pretty good machines, and you you can get uh, much less variety than you can when you look at the Windows market. So because there are so many hardware manufacturers for Windows machines. There's a very wide range of hardware, uh, you know, performance levels. But when you look at the Macs, that you don't have the same level of variability, and they're all pretty good machines. And so, uh, of course, I, I ended up getting a pretty high-end one, and um, on on the off chance that I might like it and then want to do a lot of work on it, I wanted it to be uh, a good enough machine to to get a lot of work done. And so the risks were obviously the cost, um, hardware compatibility and drivers. So if I had hardware, um, you know, that I wanted to hook up to the computer, was I going to be able to do that printer, uh, external hard drives, all of that kind of, of product? Uh, for me, uh, especially dive computers don't talk to every, um, every PC or Mac. And at the time, I was using a Scuba Pro Dive computer that had an infrared port, and which, if you don't remember those, that's fine. You don't need to because they're not used anymore. But um, so that was, but it was a significant thing for me because the, you know that getting the data off of a dive computer onto onto your software on your computer um, that was pretty, that was a consideration. And so another concern was software transfer costs. So we have the cost of the hardware itself, but you also have the cost of, you know, any software you own, Office, Photoshop, whatever, you know, how are you going to get it from your Windows machine to your, um, to your Mac? And so we had, um, you know, everybody basically made me pay except Adobe. 
Adobe, I called, I called them up and I said, Hey, I'm moving from windows to Mac. They said, send us your, your, um, windows discs and we'll send you mass Mac discs. And they were great about it. And that worked fine. Um, but everybody else made me pay. So I had to double up on, on software, QuickBooks, um, you know, um, office, uh, all of that stuff we had to, had to do, uh, both, uh, or I had to pay again. Um, and then, and then there's the learning curve, you know, do you, do you really, you know, I don't want to learn how to operate a different kind of computer. And so those were some of the risks that, that went through my head as I purchased this new computer. Well, it turned out that I, I absolutely fell in love with Mac and ended up replacing my other computers within about a year. And the experience I had was that they are fast. They don't crash. Um, the learning curve was actually very short. There's, um, you know, a computer is a computer at this point. Um, you know, where is the, um, where, where is the, the setting for the screen resolution or, uh, my network settings or something like that, that, that was learning where that was, was probably the biggest, uh, challenge versus anything else. And, and I think the, um, the, uh, closed window is on the opposite side of the screen versus a windows machine, you know, that little X and the, the maximize and minimize and, and all that. But basically the learning curve was pretty fast. Um, the hardware looks and feels more robust and the keyboard is much more responsive. I like the keyboards on, on the Mac products much better. So the, the, the result is that my fear of, you know, the cost and the incompatibility and the software transfer costs and all of that was much more than the actual, uh, problems. I, I did have to pay for software for some software for, uh, for some software products. That's true. Um, but the, the learning curve was pretty short. The hardware was better. The keyboard is nicer. And I work on a computer a lot. So, you know, if the keyboard is nicer, it matters to me. And so I'm, I'm having this good experience. The only time I've ever crashed a Mac was when I was trying to run Microsoft Excel. And that was the very first version of Office that I put on a Mac. And I think it was 2011. So it was a long time ago now. Um, and I have, at this point, I've never, I haven't crashed a, a Mac since that time. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, to me, that's, that's pretty good. That really helps your productivity when you're not restarting your machine repeatedly. Um, so the, the next thing I want to tell a story about that, uh, I was on my, I had my second MacBook pro at this point. And it was a 13 inch. It was a smaller one that I had gotten for um, trying to kind of size it down for, for better travel. And um, I was going to work one morning and I set it down. Uh, I, I had, I got out, went out to the car and I set it down and because I had forgotten something and I got back in the car and backed out of the driveway and proceeded to roll right over my computer bag and bent the, uh, literally bent the laptop into a, a V shape and somehow did not manage to crack the screen. So I completely panicked, of course, um, 
I I went and got a, a MacBook Air at that point, and because I I can't do work on a on a completely broken laptop. But I I said okay I've got data on this thing that uh, that I need to get, and so I I tried I said okay I've got to at least try. Um, or else I'm going to have to take it to someone and have them pull the hard drive. At that point, it still had a, a regular rotating hard drive in it and get them to get the data off, you know, hopefully if it will work and, and go from there. Well, it, it turned on, which to me is crazy, but it turned on. I was able to pull the data off of it. The... Uh, optical disk drive was was mechanically broken, so there was no way to to put a, a CD in a in in the laptop anymore. Um, and uh, so fast forward to about a month ago, uh, one of our kids won a coding competition with that same laptop. It still works, still uses it. Um, yeah, I felt a little sheepish after it worked for so long, um, having run out and 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 gotten a brand new MacBook Air when this thing still was was chugging along. Um, but what that did for me as a consumer is tell me that the hardware was very robust. Now I have not done a scientific uh, test with this and and purchased a similar time uh, similar era uh, you know, windows machine and run it over on purpose to see if it would also function. But, um, so yes, there's no science behind this, but it makes me feel good to know that that laptop took that kind of abuse and still, uh, was workable enough at least to get the data off. And so that's, and I certainly, obviously I would not recommend you know, testing that don't try this at home folks, but, um, but as a consumer that, you know, that left me feeling pretty good about my purchase decision when it comes to Mac, uh, products. So, uh, if we, if we stay fast forwarded now and we think about, okay, what's, what is the environment like today versus what it was like when I made my initial transition over to the uh, Mac ecosystem. You know, that was then, well, this is now. And Windows today is uh, much, much more stable. Uh, I Windows 10 is a very good operating system. And, and it still has much, soft, much wider software compatibility. Uh, but what I can say is Windows 10 is fast, it's stable, it, it works really well. And I use Windows 10 um, on a regular basis on some computers. So what I still don't, or what I'm, I'm not liking about Windows these days is OS level, level advertising. So if you have Windows 10, you'll notice that they advertise right in the operating system. And I, I think if I've spent the the money to purchase the operating system, advertising on it, I, I just, I don't like that. Now, yes, you can turn that off, but it its default is on, which I don't like. But then also, every time Windows updates, it seems to turn that setting back 
to its default. Well, that means that every time it reset, if, every time I do an update, I have to go in and reset my preferences, which I also don't like. So I wish that they would get rid of that. And I, I respect the search for revenue, but I think after you've paid for an operating system, they should not be advertising in that at that point. Um, Skype does this too. And I can't complain so much about Skype because it's free, but uh, I'd almost rather, rather pay $29 a year or something and get rid of the advertising in that. And that, you know, that may be part of this whole change and shakeup that they're doing at Microsoft to make some of these things a service. And, and hopefully we'll see some improvements uh, from that perspective. Um, and like I said, the updates seem to reset all of those, you know, those settings. Um, yeah. And, and the other, the other thing about the automatic updates just sort of happening, like in the middle of the day when you're trying to get work done and all of a sudden your computer's restarting, um, that seems to have abated a bit in, in, I mean, it's the end of March now. Um, and hopefully we won't see that rear up again, but that was very frustrating at first with Windows 10. Um, and as far as I can tell, the hardware is still no match for Macs uh, in, in the, in the uh, Windows hardware realm. Um, but you're going to pay for it, you know, as a, a Mac is still, you know, a, a good percentage more expensive than, than a comparable Windows machine. If you say comparable is processor speed, memory, um, disk drive capacity, and things like that, screen resolution, um, you know, those specs, if you're comparing those, um, you know, you're going to pay more for a Mac. If you say, oh, but you're talking about a better quality hardware, there's, it's difficult to put a price on that because there's no comparable Windows machine. There's just, there aren't that many, uh, I've never even seen a Windows machine that compares from a hardware perspective to the Mac ecosystem. So, um, Apple today, uh, moving on a little bit, I am not the fan that I was in 2016. Um, with the advances in uh, Windows, Windows 10 becoming so stable and so good, um, and the uh, choices by Apple to back away, in my opinion, from the professional user, um, the... Uh, my, my 2015 MacBook Pro is, in my opinion, the height of Apple Awesome. Um, and it's got an i7 processor. It's got 16 gig of RAM, 2 gig of video RAM. It's got, um, at, it's got two Thunderbolt ports, two USB ports, independent power port, a headphone jack, an HDMI out, and an SD card reader. And those are all ports I use all the time. And so when they took those away in the latest MacBook Pros, um, now they've put me in a position where, A, one of, those, one of those ports, they have four, but they're all this new port style, and one of them you have to use for power. So now you've got to use one of your ports for power, and now you have to have a, a, um, an adapter for every single thing you want to do that in my 2015 MacBook Pro is already integrated. It's all there. I've got USB, I've got HDMI, I've got, uh, I use the SD card reader every week 
to do this podcast, to do the videos that are associated with this podcast, to do the cover photo. I use the SD card reader. And so they took, they took a, a lot of the stuff out that I used and said, okay, you're going to have to get a, a separate adapter for that. And I'm, I'm just not a big fan of that. I think that was a mistake. That's backwards looking. Um, yes, maybe eventually SD card readers are going to become uh, a thing of the past, but not for a while because every camera still uses them in some form. Uh, and I do a lot of work with, with, uh, video and still cameras. So, um, I, I really think they've been, they've been stepping back and stepping away from the professional power users. Um, when you look at the new MacBook Pro, you, you have this, the touch bar, um, that is, it, they, they really touted at the launch. To me, that's a gimmick product. It, that serves no valuable function in my workflow. I have absolutely no interest in that. It does not inspire me at all. What would inspire me is an SD card slot and regular USB ports. And um, so uh, the, the what that basically tells you, though, is that we're seeing a narrowing of the gap in a lot of ways. Um, Macs used to be kind of the de facto professional audiovisual uh, standard. And I can tell you that that um, the performance of my Windows machine running um, uh, Photoshop or uh, Premiere or Audition, um, all of those run pretty pretty well on my, on my Windows machine, pretty comparably even to my my MacBook Pro. Um, I still edge out the the windows and I still use a Mac. Um, and I'm very hopeful that that when my MacBook Pro finally needs to to get retired, that Apple has gone uh, you know done some soul searching and and come back to the professional market a little bit and said, okay, we're we're we aren't going to abandon you and we're not going to uh, you know have an all or nothing. This is the way that 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 you have to uh, run your workflow if you want to use a Mac. Um, I'm very hopeful that they'll back away from that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. So what I'm saying is that, that if you push the hardware aside, which is a big deal, I'm not going to discount that, um, the parity is getting closer. The, the, the difference between a Mac and a Windows in, from a, the standpoint of stability and performance um, has become much more narrow than it used to be. So the one more thing I wanted to touch on is um, kind of the universal cheat if you have a Mac, and that's Boot Camp. Because I can actually install Windows 10 on a MacBook Pro. In fact, I have Windows 10 installed on uh, my, my Mac Pro desktop and on my MacBook Pro. And I use it pretty regularly if I need to use a software package that doesn't lend itself to, um, to Mac. So you actually, and, and it's perfectly stable, uh, really does run very well. Um, so in fact, I would argue up until the windows 10, I would have told you that, um, that windows runs even more stable on the MacBook pro than it did on a Windows machine, a dedicated Windows machine. 
Um, that's not, I, I can't say that that's as true now with Windows 10 because I do feel like Windows 10 has become a very, very stable platform. And so when we talk about, um, that's kind of where I've ended up is that, that I still like the hardware substantially more um, on the Mac side, um, but the, the performance has become much closer between Windows 10 and, and Mac OS. And so I, I think that's great for competition because I, I hope that that puts pressure on both companies to deliver what consumers um, really need and want. Um, and it will keep them hungry because our alternatives are becoming more and more um, available. Um, we're, it's, it's easier now than ever to uh, switch back and forth. In fact, you know, in, in 2011 or, or so when I did my switch, um, it was, uh, the software was kind of a pain. But now, um, if you have an Office 365 account or an Adobe Creative Cloud account, or, you know, those are just some of the things that I use regularly, um, Evernote, Todoist, um, crash plan, you know, all of these applications that I use on a regular basis, um, they're available for download for either platform. It doesn't even matter. And for the most part, you can switch from one to the other. So I can save a, a Photoshop file on one machine and open it on another, and it doesn't care. I can, um, you know, uh, open an, an Office document on one machine or start it on one machine and then finish it on another and it doesn't matter. So um, there's the 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 barriers to switching between the two platforms have become much much lower, and uh, which is nice because it means that that our work can be more portable. And we have as as consumers and as business professionals, we have more options, which is I I think that's awesome. Um, so boot camp. Uh, like I said, I use Windows on my Macs uh, for various things. Um, the and and they and they work fine. So now we're at a point where the tools need to fit the work, and we have a lot of choice about that. And you can really nowadays you can run most businesses, most certainly most small businesses, from any number of things from a phone or a tablet or uh, a moleskin notebook or several moleskin notebooks or a PC or a Mac. And um, for, for the, the large majority of uh, business owners out there, you can't make a wrong choice because either any one of them will do the, do the work that you need to do to get your job done. If you're, Designing uh, schematics uh, using CAD software, some of those are only available in Windows. And that's, and you know, if that's what you do, then you already know that. So you have to make sure you're matching the platform tool that you're using to the work, the, the getting work done tool that you're using, right? Um, and then you have to understand what your needs are in, and invest in what will work for you. You know, what is... Is, you know, how much cost can you absorb? And what does that look like? If, if you have, are you harder on your machines? If you're, um, 
if you get a, a computer and it sits on a desk and you don't, uh, you're, you treat it very well and it's in a controlled environment, does it matter if the hardware is really great? I, I don't know. You know, that's something, that's a decision you have to make. Uh, like I said earlier, the keyboard on a Mac is much, uh, it's, it's just better for me, for my work, for the work that I do, the, the way it feels that, uh, and, and I, I can type faster on it. So it matters to me. And that, that impacts the value that I apply to that particular product uh, when it comes to how much more work can I get done over the lifetime of a computer when I'm not, uh, when I can type faster on it? Well, it, it's actually quite a bit, right? But let's say you use a, a computer for three years. And, you know, I, I, as I said before, this is a 2015 MacBook Pro that I'm using and it's 2018. So there's three years, right? And um, so that kind of thing uh, really does matter. Um, and I think at this point, I just kind of want to wrap up and say, I really want to remind you that you really can't go wrong as long as you make a choice, as long as you know that the tool you're going to use is going to, uh, if there's any specific software that you absolutely have to run, you've got to know that. But aside from that, if you're a general business owner, and you need an office program, you know, Word or Pages or Google Docs, and you need a spreadsheet program, Sheets or Excel or um, Numbers on the Mac side, um, you know, those things are readily available. And actually, you can, you can use uh, Office on either pl platform. You can use Google, uh, Google Docs on either platform. And um, they, they work great. There's no problem. All right, so let's wrap this up. So that's the tools of the trade stinger. And what we're going to, the, the tools of the trade this week are my 2015 MacBook Pro, Windows 10, and Mac OS. And what I, what I really, really want to get across is that we need to be uh, cognizant uh, of the fact that you can, you really can do it from any platform. You can get uh, business done on either a Mac or a Windows machine. Um, I'm, I'm still, even if I had to go out and buy a new Apple today, I would go ahead and get or a new notebook computer today, I would still get a Mac, even if I had to get the adapters, um, because the, the hardware experience and, uh, I do like the OS a little bit better, but that's, um, you know, it, it really is the OS is really just a, uh, a, a transport for the software that you actually use. And so I just want to, to, to leave you guys with the fact that it, it really, it's your choice and, and you can't make now, now in this time, I really feel like you can't make a wrong choice. Um, you just have to, to decide what makes the most sense for you and how the way that you work and the comfort level that you have with a specific tool and, and run with it and, and let it be the, uh, 
and and just you use the tool to get the work done. That's I guess that's that's it. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Up and to the Right, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to visit b50p.info forward slash UATTR018 to get the show notes for this episode, along with any downloads or other resources that were mentioned. Technology today doesn't require us to make the same level of commitment that it did a few years ago. Many products are portable from one device to another, and if you keep your in mind the actual needs of your business and the way that you get your best work done, I think you'll find once you commit to a way of working, you can succeed on any platform. Now let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. <laughs>